Welcome to the next message from Encounter Church. For more information about our church, visit us online at EncounterPGH.com. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the message. All right, we're going to go ahead and get started now. Everyone wants to grab their seats and everything. Uh, welcome, everybody. It's good to see you online. Claire, hello. Uh, hopefully the audio works. We haven't had a chance to hear that, but uh, we'll get into some discussion here in a few minutes. But we are continuing our new series that we started last week called Teach Us to Pray, um, where we're examining the uh, the Lord's Prayer, right? So uh, the idea of this message series is that for thousands of years, people have struggled with the idea of what prayer is. You know, how do we connect with our Creator? How do we connect with God? So much so that even the disciples asked that question and said, Jesus, teach us to pray. How should we pray? And then Jesus gave what we know of as the Lord's Prayer. And so what we're doing in this message series is we're just kind of walking through verse by verse and talking about what um, what that means and how it applies to us. And so obviously we're taking it from a very principled, uh, the elements of it. And so last week we began with the very first verse, which was our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, uh, your kingdom, uh, sorry, hallowed be your name. We talked about how prayer is more about God than it is about us. When we start our prayer time or our connection with God with an understanding of who God is, it creates a different posture, which then expresses sort of an expectation that we have from it. Um, it becomes a relationship, but it also puts God in his rightful place to where we may not always understand everything that God says or does, but we trust in him uh, and we know that he is powerful. So we begin our prayer from that perspective. Well, today we're going to be focusing on the next verse uh, in that. So let's go ahead and read together. Matthew chapter 6 is where we're at. If you guys want to open your Bibles or uh, your phones, or your tablets um, with uh, the Bible app. Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13. We're going to read the whole prayer. Um, I'm reading out of the ESV today um, for this particular uh, passage. And it says this, Pray then like this, Matthew 6, verse 9, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And so this is, um, this is what we're going to be talking about today. Last week was about our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Prayer is more about God than it is about us. Well, this week we're going to be going on verse 10, which is your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And today our title is our will versus God's will. Our will versus uh, versus God's will. Um, how many of you have ever had dreams, like while you're sleeping, where you have gotten something that you were like really hoping for? Like maybe that you won the lottery, or that you own a house in like like Florida on the beach or something, or you know, or you're happily married, or what else? Any number of things. Have there ever been like a dream like that to where you're just like, oh my gosh, if that were could possibly just be the real thing, I would be the happiest person on on earth. Um, or have you ever found yourself in a situation where you wanted something so badly? It could be a thing, an item, or it could be a circumstantial thing, like a like a promotion, or um, you want something to work out. To where you have maybe said something along the lines of, 
God, I really, really, really want this thing. And if it's in your will, I promise I will like love you forever. I will honor you forever. I will serve you. If you'll just make this thing happen, I would, I promise you, I will always do everything. I'll never do this thing again. Anybody, can anyone raise their hand and say that they've ever had a prayer like that? Okay. So it could be any number of things, right? It could be finances. It could be, God, I want to get out of debt so bad. I'm so tired of this bill. Like, if you just keep our electricity bill on, then, like, I promise I'll just, I won't do this thing anymore. Or I want a new car or a new job or a promotion. Or it could be a relationship you're searching for. Like, God, I just want to have, uh, to be married and I want to have kids. Or it could be friends that you're not happy with your friend group and you want some friends or different friends. Or it could even just be a bigger house or any, anything, any number of things. But here's the thing. Think about the perspective of what we talked about last week about who God is, right? If we start our prayer from the idea of our Father in Heaven, right, the master of the cosmic universe and his position of authority and who he is and his power, do we really just talk to God as if it's like an ultimatum in a way? Like, like does that seem like that position matches up? My kids have done this, like, all the time growing up uh, when they were, particularly when they were little, they really, really want something. And they would say things like, mom, dad, if you get me this thing, I promise I'll do these things, right? And like, I'll clean the house, I'll do the dishes for a month, you know, whatever. And the reality is, is that if you do that thing, they do it for like one or two times and then they kind of, it falls off the thing. Like this is, and I've done it as a kid, we've all done this. So this is how it all, how it all works. But here's the thing I would say about prayer is that life should not be about us about us in general, and then inserting God when it feels right or needed. But instead, it should be putting God in the front of us and asking us to lead him. So when the verse says, right, so when the verse says in verse 10, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Have you ever stopped to wonder what that means? What does it mean to, to say your kingdom come? What does it mean to say your will be done on earth as it is in heaven? A friend of mine, Britt Wendell, is a pastor of a church in Kenosha, Wisconsin. And for his church, um, he, he made, a, he made a, a t-shirt that says in Kenosha as it is in heaven. Okay? And I was like, that's cool. And I thought it'd be cool to have like in Pittsburgh as it is in heaven, right? Like, so when we say your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, the idea is, is we're trying to say Jesus talked a lot about the kingdom of God. Right? And we know that the kingdom of God means certain things. It means his rule. It means his reign. So we talk a lot about, when we talk about giving, like God's economy, right? Like the concept of sowing and reaping. We talk about how when you put God first, even though we may have less, that God will bless in abundance out of what we give and our sacrifice. That's what we say by God's like economy, right? God's uh, putting, love your enemies, right? Love your neighbor. The last shall be first. All of these concepts of the principles of the kingdom of God. When we say, your kingdom come, what we're really saying is first in my life, allow, I want your principles to reign in my choices, in my decisions, in my relationships. And then so much so that you influence me, that I influence those around me so that the kingdom grows beyond me into other areas. God, I want your kingdom to reign in this house. I want your kingdom to reign on this block. I want your kingdom to reign in the city of Pittsburgh and in Pennsylvania and in the United States and in Europe and around the world. Like, that's what we're saying. Your kingdom come. You come. Return to us. Do everything you promised to do. Your will be done. 
right? We're talking about like like decisions. Like I really want that car, God. I really want that car. And this is something Heather and I are talking about. We're trying to save up money for a dream car of mine. I've been wanting a, a, a four-door Jeep Wrangler for like years. And it feels closer than ever and yet still so far away. Now, this is a silly example, right? Because some of you may be like, why would you want so, something like that? Whatever. That's not really the point. What I'm trying to say here, though, is like, is that you can want something so badly or desire something so badly and even think that you have the means to get it but we should be connecting with God in the point to wondering whether or not it's the right thing for us at all, or if it seems like it's not moving in that direction, or you sense this, uh, a feeling of unease or a lack of a peace about that thing, that perhaps God might be saying, this is not what I have for you. And our, when we pray, your will be done, not my will be done, what we're really saying is, God, your preferences, your decisions, your plan for my life, as opposed to my own. It's not about me anymore. It's about God and his plan. Your kingdom come. It's about his power. It's about his strength. It's about his leadership on earth as it is in heaven. And here's the thing about heaven. Heaven in scripture particularly reflects perfection. It reflects peace. It reflects wholeness. It reflects where things are the way that they're supposed to be, right? Where God is in charge. We see pictures of heaven in, in Revelation, right? Where it's, um, there is no pain. There's no death. There's no suffering, right? And so we've talked about that. Uh, a lot, and the idea of like we live in a world right now where there is disease, where there is um, suffering, where there is division, there is racism, there's all of these things that are terrible, and yet Jesus in the middle of it says, pray that my kingdom would come to earth. So that earth would begin to reflect what it's like in heaven, and what that means is that we, as individuals, have a responsibility to, to, to bring God's kingdom to earth. Like, he wants to use us to do that. And so what we're saying in this prayer, right, this idea of, of, so our Father, we posture ourselves of who we're talking to. Our Father, he has a relationship with us. There's an intimacy that we can know him, who is in heaven, the cosmic. He's powerful and great. He spins the, the orbits of the planets like, a, like in a circus, right? Like someone like balancing plates on like sticks, like, you know, like you ever seen those images? Like, that's what he's doing. You ever seen that? Where people, like, spin plates on sticks and at circuses and things? This is the image that I have of God, like, in the universe, like, just spinning, like, all of the, the planets around their moons and around the orbits of their suns and stars and everything. Like, God is doing that as well as him being intimately involved in each of our relationships in, in, with knowing him. On, and so then we say, from that perspective, God, your kingdom... Your power, your authority come. Your will be done. God, I want this thing. I want this in my life. I want these these kinds. Of, I want to head in that direction. But God, you know better. You're bigger. You're stronger. You're more powerful. You see ahead. And I want your will on earth in my life. I want your power, your authority. I want your decision making. I want your blessing. I want your perfection in my house, with my kids, with my wife, with my job, with my neighbors. I want all of those things reflected in my world just as much as it is in yours. And so when we look to God as our leader, our strength for his direction, we take ourselves out of the equation. That's really what we're trying to do here and give God control so that our lives can be a reflection of his heavenly plan, which then reflects a life of things like healing and restored relationships and salvation and peace and happiness. And so last week, our idea, the big idea of the message was that prayer is more about 
God than it is about us. So if we start our prayers with knowing that like it's not a list of things to ask God for, but instead a connection with our Creator, this week's message, the, 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 the concept behind this whole message is we pray God's will because He has bigger plans for our lives than we do. So when we say something like, like your kingdom come, your will be done, the direction, again, is not on us. We pray God's will because he has bigger plans for our lives than we do. And I just want to share a quick story from Scripture of how we see this illustrated, and I believe that it, that it speaks principles to us too. In Jeremiah 29, uh, the prophet Jeremiah is telling the Israelites from God that they were about to go into captivity, okay? And because of their disobedience to God, so they were there and they, 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 they're, they're living in a place where they're suffering, they're not in their homeland, um, they essentially are being judged for many, many years of ignoring God. We've talked about that before. But even in the middle of this sadness and in this frustration, he's about to tell them that God is using Jeremiah to tell his people that he has plans for their lives. So Jeremiah chapter 10, or Jeremiah 29, verse 10, this is what it says. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are complete from Babylon. So it wasn't like, hey, you get there and then you, you feel the terror of being in this place and then it's like, all right, now I'll lift it. No, no, it was the full measure of the consequences, okay? 70 years are completed for Babylon. I will come to you and I will fulfill my good promise to you to bring you back to this place, back to your homeland. For I know the plans that I have for you. Now, does that sound familiar? Jeremiah 29, 11 is very familiar, right? But we oftentimes ignore the first part, which is the consequence and the sin and the, and the, the judgment that is there, right? So like when 70 years are completed, I will come to you and fulfill my promise to bring you back. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. They are plans to prosper you. They are plans to not to harm you, but plans to give you hope and plans to give you a future. In other words, I'm about to send you through something you would never choose on your own, but don't worry because I have a plan. We oftentimes read Jeremiah 29, 11 as though like that that means that God's going to bless us in all things in all times, right? Like there's a prosperity that comes to our life. Like I don't have to worry. God's going to take care of me because God has plans to prosper me. That's not what he's saying. What he's saying here is I know the bigger picture for you, like the end result for you. Right? And so when we pray to God and we're saying, Our Father in heaven, you are powerful, you are worthy, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. I want your life, I want your blessing in my life. I want your principles to show in my life. That might cause us to a place where we recognize that maybe there are things in our lives that are holding God's kingdom back in our lives, perhaps. You know, your will be done. I don't want you to have that promotion. I don't want you to have that car. Right now is not the time for you to get married. It could be any number of things, right? Any number of things. Like, why? Because after 70 years, I'm going to do this thing for you instead. Like, that's a very different kind of prayer. And then he says, then you call on me, verse 12. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me. You will find me when you seek me with all your heart. So God is very clearly saying that he has plans for our lives. So wouldn't it be easier to fulfill those plans in, in his care by obeying his will? Like if we trust that God is who he says he is, our father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. If we trust that that's who he is, 
then wouldn't it be better for us to say, God, your plans are bigger than ours. You see further down the road than we do. You know what you're, what you're calling us to. I'm going to do your will. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So I have a few, uh, a few application points, and then I want to discuss this with you. So how do we do it? How do we pray God's will, and what will it do for us? Number one is this. Praying God's will leads to prosperity instead of failure. Now, that word prosperity there, I don't mean what I had originally said, like in the beginning. Like, prosperity oftentimes gives us a word of, like, financial blessing. It means that all is right, everything is going to be good, like materialism. It may include some of those things, but prosperity from God's perspective is is a whole being idea, right? So praying God's will leads us to prosperity instead of failure. It takes us to a place of that God has has his best plans for us, right? We see that reflected even in the New Testament, that God is working all things together for those who are called according to his purpose. All things includes negative things. It means that like this trial that you're going through, the loss of your job or your financial situation or a relationship that that fell apart or any number of things, a sickness or a disease or anything, whatever it comes, that God has it in his hands and he's moving pieces around the board for your benefit, for your good at the end result. Praying God's will leads to prosperity instead of failure. Number two, it also leads to a closer relationship with God. Um, And it's important for us to understand that this does not happen overnight. Um, The Israelite people were sent into captivity. It took them 70 years to get back to their homeland. And a lot of that is because they didn't acknowledge God for the previous 70 years. They had broken the, the religious law. They had forgotten who he was. They worshiped other gods. They did all these other things. And so God is telling them through Jeremiah that you will come back to me, that you will worship me, you will call out to me, you will seek me, and you will find me. But that was a process of them rediscovering who God was. And we see that throughout other parts of Scripture, that the the law, when they get back, that the law is like rediscovered and, and they rebuild the temple and do all of these different things. For us, when we are going through these periods of time in our lives where we don't understand what God is doing, or we don't feel like his will is being, like that we don't understand why his will is what it is, when I would rather do this, like that seeking, that asking question is the conversation that we have with him and helps us to have a deeper relationship with him. And I would caution with this. Our tendency, mine at least, is to when I feel like I don't get what I'm looking for, when I don't understand God's will, my tendency is to push God away. I tend to tend to just get frustrated and say, well, fine. And I, not that I necessarily say that, but I find myself less willing, because I'm frustrated, less willing to go into his presence. And so I end up going and ignoring him and just doing my own thing. But it doesn't take me anywhere good. During the times where I've really been seeking God's will, God, I don't understand. This seems like a good thing. I really want it. I feel like it would be beneficial or whatever. Like if I wrestle with it and I sit in that place of not understanding, but I, I just continue to go to him, what I have found is a deeper relationship with him. And that's the same that's about God's will leads to a closer relationship to God. And finally, it also leads to a deeper understanding of God and his plan for us. He says that in verse 13, I want to read that again. Jeremiah 29 verse 13, you will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. What he's promising is, is that he will always be there to, to help us understand over time. He will always, we may not always get the answer. I mean, I, I just mentioned, I just finished the book of Job. And Job is never given an answer about why 
what happened to him happened. But he did get a deeper understanding of who God is through that and a deeper perspective of what his life is, which then resulted in a deeper relationship, a better relationship with God. And so our objective is to seek God. So when we pray, our Father who's in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. God, I want your rule and reign in my life. Your will be done. I want your decisions to be made, not my own. On earth as it is in heaven, what we're called to do is seek God, to get to know him, to find God, because it's more about listening to him and less about the searching. It shouldn't be, I'm only going to God so that I can get what I want. It should be more about when I go to God, I want to understand more about who he is. And as I live for him, he will begin to reflect in my life and my life circumstances change with that. So God teaches us to pray. In the second verse of our of Lord's Prayer, it's about praying God's will, right? It's not about taking the fun out of it. It's not about, you know, we don't want to, not that we shouldn't go to God with our needs because we are commanded to do that. But praying God's will is not about it is not about the about those things. It's about where He is leading us and what He is saving us from. Sometimes we pray for things that might lead us to disaster, things that we really want. I mean, there have been a lot of times where my kids want something and I tell them no, and they don't get it. They don't understand why, but I can see the bigger picture that this is not good for them. That's the same thing that God is doing for us. And so, out of all of the decisions that I have made in my life, um. The ones that I have clearly heard and received direction from God are the ones that have led to somewhere specific that I know God has led me to. When I have kind of gone off on my own way, right, when I've kind of made my own decisions and taken God out of the equation, I can tell you that most oftentimes it ended up badly or at least at, at best neutral. But the times where I have heard God say, I have this for you, or I want that for you, you know, or the times where I have made the choice to say, but God, I really want this thing. And he says, but I have this instead and I've chosen what God has said. It's always led me to a place of blessing, a place of prosperity, a place of a deeper relationship with him and a deeper understanding with him. And so our challenge today is this, as we finish, is to choose God's will for your life over your own plans. Choose God's will for your life over your own plans. And the reason for that is because we pray God's will <coughs> Because he has bigger plans for our lives than we do. Last week was prayer is more about God than it is about us. And this week we pray God's will because he has bigger plans for our lives than we do. Would you pray with me as we close our prayer and we'll discuss here in a second. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for, for your son Jesus and how he has taught us to pray. Um, you know, obviously we can pray these specific words, but each line is packed with principles for us, the posture of how to pray and, and what prayer is really about and, and the way that we should be coming to you. God, I pray that as we, as we say the words, um, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, that we would, that we would uh, really think through what that means for our lives. I pray that we would read scriptures about your kingdom and what it means. That we would think about what your will is versus our will. What is my will and why do I want these things so badly? And am I willing to hear what you have to say about them? And how do you want to affect my life and the, the world I live in on earth as it is in heaven? What would it be like? Help us to imagine that. What would it be like if, if, if this little corner of the earth was like heaven? 
What would that do to the relationships next door and my neighbor? What would it do in my relationship with my wife or with my kids or with my friend or my church members and those kinds of things? And each of us, God, help us to see that and to want that, to, to cry out for that and to make decisions in our lives and ask you to say to us, God, what are the things in my life, in my personal life, in my behaviors, in my thought processes that are keeping me from allowing your kingdom to really flourish in my home and in my circle? God, if there are things that are, you know, that are keeping us from that, would you shine a light on them? Would you convict us with your Holy Spirit of those things? Give us courage to think through those things and to make decisions to either remove them or change them so that we can open the door for your kingdom to flourish and grow in our lives so that other people can be welcomed into it. Help us to pray your will in our lives. Help us to pray for your kingdom, God, and to really begin to think about what it looks like for your kingdom to inform all of our decisions. I pray you'll bless our discussion uh, and our time together. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. If you call Encounter Church Home, or if you'd like to partner with us to support the work that God is doing here, you can take advantage of our online giving option. Just go to EncounterGiving.com. Also, stay up to date with us throughout the week by following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at EncounterPGH. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.